This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation. Hello everyone, welcome to Junior Doan's The Spark. I'm Junior Doan, thank you for joining us. My guest today is Dave Kepler, former Executive Vice President of the Dow Chemical Company for Business Services and its Chief Information Officer and Chief Sustainability Officer. Dave is now engaged in social and economic impact investing in Midland County, including the Midland Brewery Company, Cottage Creamery, Real Estate, and the Lazy Turtle Ranch. Welcome, Dave. You've had such an interesting and really storied career. What has given you satisfaction and passion today? Well, Junior, it may sound funny for somebody that's worked uh, for Dow Chemical for almost 40 years and then retired that I still think my passion is work. I think life's about having a sense of purpose and we can go fishing and do golfing, but we still have to have a, a view of serving our communities and our families. And so my wife would tell you maybe I do it a little bit more than others or should, but uh, I really enjoy doing that. And how do you define work in the sense of meaning? Well, I think in the sense of meaning, you know, work's about service and it's in, in your vocation, your identity. So I think when people retire, they kind of lose that a little bit. But I think when you think about the other priorities in your life that you can focus on now, like community and family, you can apply work and your knowledge and experience to that. Um, I think business is about problem solving and, and uh, fixing puzzles. And so you can work on Sudoku or you could kind of right. go out and see if you can have an impact and make a difference. And I think that's what we're trying to do in, in, with myself and my family. Oh, I really admire that as a preferred way of living. What did you learn from Dow or being at Dow that is helping you in the current projects? You know, if you go, when you grow up and you kind of get out of school, I was a chemical engineer, so you think you know everything if you're an engineer, you know, and stuff. Remember and I think the, the big issue you learned is how to work with people, how to do problem solving that... Uh, there's a lot of smart people that have a completely different point of, uh, viewpoint of the world than you do. And you need to understand that if you're going to work with them. And, and uh, people have different skill sets. So how you master a team and put people together, you really need to look for differences, not everybody being the same. And that's true in small businesses as well. And I'm, I'm I get a chance now to work with uh, younger folks again in the, in the business world. And it's been fun to kind of bring your experience. They know things that I don't know, and I'm able to bring some um, perspective of how to get things done in a, in a business way. How do uh, <laughs> they take to your guidance? Well, you know, I think the challenge is like in any business, I mean, Dow was a huge company, so now we're working with about five or six less zeros. And so the other thing, if you're in a big corporation, there's a lot of training and structure. So you're trying to bring them concepts that are, we would teach somebody a week in Dow that you're trying to get around their mind around it in like 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so I think they, they look at uh, me as a mentor in that process and I don't wanna, I want them to make the decisions in my businesses if I can and I've got um, 
you know, engage with my family, and I want to make that look like a partnership, um, not like a boss-employee relationship. And what, uh, what do you try specifically to teach when you talk about getting around, uh, getting along with people with uh, differences? Well, in a business, you first have to start with what your vision is and who's your customer you're trying to serve. So work and business is all about service. And so the first thing, we get all excited about what we're doing, whether it's brewing beer or building apartments, but at the end, it's who's going to be impacted by this and then look at it through their eyes about how you construct things and, and build things around that. And I think people are getting in a hurry to kind of do things. They don't get the perspective of who it is they're trying to work for, if you will, in terms of the customer or the recipients of your service or products. And that's a key How do you do that me. market research, or how do you know when you have enough information to make creditable decisions? You know, today it's an interesting process because in, in a big company you're looking at uh, data analytics, a lot of market studies and stuff to do. Uh, now you have to do it kind of for free, so you basically spend time with the customers. Uh, you kind of read a lot more. You get uh, young folks involved that have kind of seen this as their vocation, that have passion about it. And you apply those principles that you have. And I would say, like anything you learn about, there's a core piece of about 5 or 10%. If you can put that in place, all the other detail you'll figure out as you kind of work through the experience of the of the job and stuff. What do you look for in people that you're thinking of hiring or bringing into the business or even investing in? Yeah, I think the, there's two things when we look like at the brewery. It's right. a brewery, so we want people that enjoy beer and, and see that as part of the thing and see the relationship that beer has with people in a restaurant. And uh, we want people to be uh, enthusiastic about how to do it with quality and structure and, and to learn from that. So th that whole industry has started in the last 20 years. Uh, you know, kind of from the home brewing environment. And so bringing quality and repeatability to the process is kind of what I can help them with. Um, and so we kind of blend those two things together. And what do you learn from this along the way? You know, well, you learn, I've learned a lot about things I hadn't really focused on in, in Dow. And I think uh, what I've learned is people are just trying to, you know, in this kind of small community kind of structure that we kind of have in the in the kind of tri-city area that a lot of people are just trying to get by and trying to do work and if you kind of learn how to th think of that as working together and collaborating you can get a lot more done. Um, I think as I worked in Dow I did a lot of fundraising but I didn't really get into okay how are we going to really impact you know low-cost housing or, and so we, all, we always did it from a policy point of view and a donation point of view not from a hey let's figure out how we can actually create a market for this that uh, doesn't require nonprofits involved. Not that that's bad. It's just that can we get an environment where the business community really looks at making Boy, an that is so impressive. That is really impressive. And what's impressive about it, it's problem solving, yeah. but it's also giving a gift to the people whose lives you'll positively impact. And so they just don't become recipients. They become engaged and doers yeah. in, in life. and and careers and yeah. family. And I think the and thing that I've observed, kind of in learning, is that when I grew up, the things that were expensive are now inexpensive, and the things that are, were inexpensive, like healthcare, housing, care, you know, um, home care, are now the expensive things. And we haven't really applied, you know, thought process of how to actually create markets around that. Businesses don't necessarily see that as an opportunity to create demand that the folks can afford. They see it as, okay, how do I work with the government or whatever to create yeah. a policy and structure that I can provide services. And I 
like we're trying to find models, and I'm not trying to solve the world's problems, but can we find models where we get a return on it? And I think even a nonprofit should be thinking that way so that they can sustain themselves and grow. And that was my kind of learning as I got into this. We kind of are trying to solve a problem, and the first thing we do is go do a fundraiser. Well, that right. limits what you can do unless you really think about a solution to the problem that would actually create a business environment where that service or whatever becomes more affordable for people. And then you can make money at that if you do it. And making money is good because it allows you to expand faster and impact more people. I love that notion. And is it difficult to do? Yeah, I would say I had, uh, like in housing as an example, we were, we're developing. We got into that because uh, my, my uh, daughter supports people with disability in the homes. The homes, there's short supply of them. And so we were looking at different nonprofit structures, but at, at the end we said, well, let's just get some homes and figure this out. Uh, and you find that, yeah, the coding and the structure, it's really hard to create new environments in, in an affordable way for people, say, in the fifty to $75,000 range. And so we're, we have a lot of old inventory in the community, and we have to figure out how to renew that. And uh, I don't have the answers for that, but we're trying to find uh, trying to learn by trying a few different models out there to work. One is we have to simplify the codes and allow different uh, housing types to be together where historically we've zoned them apart. Um, we need to go back to you know, multi-purpose uh, areas like downtown where we kind of bring commercial and stuff together. We've got to kind of assume that we don't need a car in the middle of all this and, and that changes the thinking you know, way, way we're going to build our communities in the future. Oh, I just love the way you think. I just love the way you think, but is it is there? I don't want to say resistance. How difficult it is it to work with the city? And I don't even yeah. personalize to yeah. the city, but to the regulatory environment, yeah. no matter where it is, or the the culture yeah. of, of the I, area. I find actually because our our activities around Midland, Edenville, Sanford is where we do most of our kind of. I find that city employees are very positive. We're we're collectively struck with or stuck with an environment that has regulations that were built around a different time. And so I think, you know, employees are kind of there for service of, of the city, but it's a right. challenge with kind of the rule set we have and, and based on principles. So, for example, in Midland, one of my big key points is if the city's growing at a certain percentage, uh, you can't grow the footprint of the city bigger than the, bigger than the growth rate of the community because then you end up with pockets of blight. Right. And so you have to find an environment that encourages renewal downtown. Um, but there's, but there's a lot of rules downtown. So a developer comes in and it costs them more to develop downtown than to go out in the in agricultural and to change the zoning and, and build it. Give and an so we have to change that. that model. Oh, I think, for example, when the apartments we're building downtown are costing me 25 or 30% more to build them downtown than if I went above on Waldo Road or something or over into Midland County and built them. And part of it is how the city wants to look um, and, and part of it is kind of the fact that we have retention systems and we haven't figured out how to manage that differently. So you have a lot of items, all, I'm saying many of them with purpose, but to sit down and say, okay, now we've got a problem where we've costed it so only rich people can live downtown, that's not a, a good oh, model. So you have to figure out a model that then gets that affordability so we have a kind of a multidimensional uh, community. And so we've been working with that and I think the city's very open to uh, looking at these kind of high-level policies and planning our, you know, it's kind of when we get to the roads, you know, our roads in, uh, in Midland were built when Dow, uh, Dow Chemical had tens of thousands of people going downtown and driving through, 
you know, right. remember 47 yeah. yeah and it was designed for people to go through downtown so i know it's emotional to change roads but they were they're there for a different time you know and so we have to go back and and work on that so it's a combination of public policy working with you know government and then kind of from a business point of view uh you know, just having the fortitude to kind of get involved in that kind of triangle, if you will. So, yeah. uh, what kind of time frame would you say it would take to resolve some of this? To the point that would say we would be stable, I would, I would imagine, twenty or thirty years. You know, we're, we're going. It's a generational thing, but that doesn't mean oh. we can't we can't find. Well, if you just look at the investments, uh, for example, on the, on the blighted area in Indian Buttles, that took yes. 10 years to collect and clean up. Now, if we have to do that all the way down, it's not gonna work. So we have to have business models that, that change the way we think about how to renew a community. I think the fact that the foundations invested in the STEM school, with the, yes. that puts a positive aspect. And so if you look at public giving that makes the Supports. process a crowd of, then you'll have other people developing and then to a large part housing is an emotional buy people will pay a premium if they feel they can get their kids into a higher quality school they can have uh, a different experience and and that's part of what we have to build in that thing and so i think we're making progress but it is it doesn't go away quickly yeah it <laughs> does, yeah well, everything in life is incremental it's just yes. about how you can <laughs> it takes longer than how you, you can think, speed right? it up yeah exactly <laughs> So in, uh, in reviewing investment opportunities, what is the grid you, you lay on that? Well, that's a good question. Um, my wife thinks it's about monopoly, and we're just collecting <laughs> a lot of stuff. But we're trying to develop synergies. So like in the entrance where the brewery is, we've been making investments that bring the property together. That that's the kind of an entrance to town from Saginaw. So we're trying to look at that. So that's kind of the emotional kind of view. And when we look at... Uh, you know, in, in areas like in Edenville and stuff, it's kind of bringing just basic capacity, whether we invest in commercial or whether we invest in uh, facilities, you know, like a new fire station that we might donate to or something like that. So to me, it's kind of based on what's needed and what we think the demand will be. Uh, I know there's a demand for quality rental houses in the 400 to 700 range. And so how do we make those? Um, and part of it is it kind of, conceptualize but when you get out in the field uh, it may cost you a little bit more and then you have to kind of figure out how to adjust your strategy a little bit to do so we're looking at it from a return I'm looking at it from a point of view of what the impacts gonna be and frankly the interests of my family so talk a little bit about that well I think if you're if you're kind of people look at you know kind of legacy or whatever you have a view of okay we're gonna just do a lot make a lot of money at the end we uh, um, create a foundation and then somebody goes off and does some things and I think you have to I grew up in a small business family I was the guy that went off to the corporate world to kind of do things you know but I think working in a, in a, in a small business family you have a different ethic of uh, not bad just different on how you th solve problems and how you work on things and how you see families and so you know my family wanted to live around here and we kind of looked at things that they could you know they had jobs my daughter had uh, Sarah's created a nonprofit with you know 100 people in it, impacting uh, a lot of folks in terms of in the, uh, independent community living for people with intellectual disabilities. So how do we support that long term? So bringing mm -hmm. that kind of thing that it's not just you, but it's actually uh, when you're done, you can walk you can walk away, and whether whether it's a community, your family, you're going to see value in it to continue it on, kind of thing to, Spiritual. to work through. So I think work is spiritual I think uh, 
you kind of have a view of, you know, kind of, you know, family and uh, community and vocation and how you integrate those things together. I think that's, uh, uh, to f if you think about that, and that doesn't mean that I don't like to play, you know, I'm trying to learn fly fishing or whatever, but it, it, it's more, ma that's more about mastering something, but if you can master something and actually have a, have it have it serve somebody that that's to me the thing that makes it that that's the thing that makes it fun so you're involved to switch totally to this infrastructure protection commission the advisory council yeah, of the yeah. united states on infrastructure having to do with preparedness and the grid and perhaps terrorism yeah how effective uh, i don't want to talk about the council what can you be uh, in a group i presume is fairly large yeah and i've uh you know, I was on that for several years. When I left Dow, I kind of re repositioned. So, yeah, I think that when 9-11 when occurred and I was uh, uh, involved with information technology and got further involved in security, our view was, well, this is a problem we're going to have to be involved in. And yeah. so we spent time in Washington, D.C. We looked at how the, you know, we really led in terms of how the chemical, you know, we picked our own sector first, you know, how the chemical industry would, uh, deal with cybersecurity, deal with security in general, how the, what the risks uh, were. And so I think that was an, a concept uh, recognizing that 90% of the infrastructure is owned privately, that the government needed to have a relationship with businesses to work through. And it's, uh, it, 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 I think it had impact in terms of policies around what was built, and it still does. I think there's a tendency to, you know, how do we you know, business guys want to go in and solve a problem, and but you've got to get it institutionalized in the mindset and fabric of government, and that takes a little bit of time to, to do. But I, I learned a lot from that in terms of just people and, and trying to have common viewpoint from different political points of view and structure to do that. As a layperson, what I read is our grid is not protected and it's important that it be protected because you could take out a substation and that would affect a military base. Mm -hmm. uh, is it protected? Yeah, uh, if you look at electrical grill, grids, there's always these kind of points of, of a major failure and stuff to work on. And that's what folks are trying to identify. So when we looked at, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but when we look at the chemical industry, we looked at what are those key points of failure and are we shoring those things up. So if you try to protect everything, uh, you'll never get the, you, it's too expensive. So what you have to do is think about a concept of like crown jewels, like what are the most important mm. things, uh, whether it's people or assets or, or capability that's needed in the company, and that our country. And that's a little bit of where they got in these critical infrastructure. And then below that, what are the key aspects of that to, to work on? And our, I think the challenge with our country is it's been, an, uh, it's an older successful co uh, country if you look at the last hundred years. So it has infrastructure that's um, like the highest tech in the world and some of the oldest. And so to try to bring same methods to that, you can bring same concepts, but to bring the exact same methods to all that, it's a little bit of a challenge and stuff to, to do. So it's an ever, and I think the, so I'm not, I'm pretty optimistic. We just need to continue to be vigilant on what we're working in that space and recognizing, especially in the cyber that, um, it just changes so fast, and we have to yeah. adapt. And I think one of the things we've seen change, which I think the United States missed a little bit, was we went from kind of a cyber attack kind of view to really the cyber misinformation point of view, the propaganda side that we've seen from, you know, Russia and you know, and that those are that's a different model. So we were fighting one war, and it changed. So that's one of the 
challenge with this is to try to understand these technologies and how they can be you know, used in a Stay in a ahead of the curve. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very difficult to do. Most but new technologies, some, most, most new technologies, criminals figure out how to exploit it. Sometimes before you can do it. Yeah, so you got to <laughs> More than motivation, that. Exactly. maybe, exactly. Yeah, you know. Exactly. I hope similar things are going on in bioterrorism, that there are yeah, councils. I think there are. That there are. Yeah. And I think you look at it, one of the challenges, I think, is just, you know, everybody in the in the government kind of wants a czar somewhere to solve everything, but it's really yes. a cross-discipline kind of view, and I think the idea that we're going to think about, I think the fact that companies stick together with government, they formed kind of um, different kind of views, but information sharing organizations that kind of work with government, both on operational sharing, oh. like, okay, I've got a threat here, the, and but, but also a strategic defense, that, that's unique. I mean, and it's been hard over the decade because everybody's trying to protect their own information. So you're sitting in a meeting with other companies that are your competitors trying oh, to balance yes, that out. I so it's a, it's a thing we've worked over in the last decade or so, I think. To and I guess it's in a better place now. It's in a, it, like I've always said, it's better than it was. It can get better, <laughs> you know, which is most of life, right? The yeah, continuous improvement. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> always a good thing. So Patty's really involved with you. What role does she play, if I may ask, in all this? Well, there's the some cook? things she's fundamentally runs. Like we have this ranch up in Edenville that we, uh, we, we initially bought from a family, just a family point of view. We lived on the lake and did it. But we've kind of built it out a lot. So we put a lot of people, you know, youth and uh, 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 youth groups, whether it's a rock or Boy Scouts or Big Brothers Big Sisters or the Ark or whatever. Um, and actually have events out there and stuff. So we provide it, we open it up to, to use. It's, you know, it's our property, but we've tried to leverage that. So she spends a lot of time on that. She spends a lot of time on the, on the service side with, you know, kids and stuff, and actually then does a lot of uh, church service with um, um, elderly and stuff to, to work through in terms of, uh, she goes and sings at all the, you know, two or three of the uh, assisted living homes and stuff like that. Oh, she good for her, her. Her view, I think, is, hey, let's just get on the ground and do something. I'm trying to you know, be a little more strategic. So it's a good, it's a good match, I think, to, to work through. And so she has kind of the heart to kind of get down and kind of keep you honest a little bit about, okay, you're getting a little ahead of yourself, Dave. Let's get back to what people really yeah. want kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's like learning another person's viewpoint that you were. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. And then, no, it's kept. Oh, for my whole career, it's kind of like oh, you do something, you kind of uh, in the clouds a little bit. You need somebody to kind of pull you down. But she, you know, the, our our biggest challenge is sitting with a calendar, figuring out, okay, yeah, you're at this event, I'm at that event, or you want to, you know, what our priorities are and stuff. To, That's good. To so it's fun. So I have a subject for her to consider. I think that in our community, and probably more in other communities, uh, for the elderly, mm -hmm. there's a problem of disengagement mm -hmm. and being overlooked and perhaps mm -hmm. loneliness. Mm -hmm. And I know we have wonderful senior centers and this and that, mm -hmm. but I, th I just think, I, I intuit more than I think, that there's, we're ready for the next idea. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> the I think next that's big good. idea here. I'll put that on her. And That'd be good to do. <laughs> and maybe she would because yeah. she has on-the-ground experience. Maybe she would just ponder that. Yeah, and if she had an idea, yeah. give me a call or we'll somebody yeah. else a call. I think the idea that you structure demographics around age is kind of a challenge in itself. I mean, so I, I remember my dad was always like, hey, I just want to be around young people because I can kind of think differently and work and stuff. And I think having that intermix and stuff to 
to work with and finding opportunities for that. And I think we do that in the community to, to some extent, but it's not like, hey, we want to put everybody over in this kind of community that then doesn't get integrated into, you know, you may have to physically house it differently, but you need to figure out how to integrate it into the community. I, I agree with you. And, and ameliorate the, I always liked older friends because I figured they had been through yeah, yeah, what I right. was going through yeah, yeah. and they survived yeah, and I yeah, could yeah, deal with it yeah. because they had dealt with it. Yeah, yeah. But now that I'm in the other cohort, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, periodically I do that, but not, uh, not exclusively yeah, no, yeah. because you have to talk to your own age group regardless yeah. of, where, I think, wherever you yeah. are, but you can cross for benefit of of, right of, of both of us. But now Teradata, Neoanalytical, is, uh, is that Dow-related in the sense, so are you yeah, still they're, with they're, that? They're or? different. Uh, so Neolitica was back in the dot-com days. So right. Not everything I did was phenomenally successful. That was one of them. It was one when we were looking at marketplaces, and that one was looking at kind of developing lab outsourcing and stuff. So we've done some of that with, like, impact and stuff in the community. Yes. But that was to do it online, and so we were doing a lot of projects where I got involved too. I'm on three public boards. Uh, Teradata is one of them. It's a, a data. It's kind of in this kind of. It's been around for many years, but it's uh, in this big data world. It's uh, uh, works on databases and uh, and kind of this big new big data analytics kind of space. I belong on a, a Autolive, which is a, a safety auto parts company that's. Uh, Focusing anywhere from seatbelts to radar and that type of oh, thing, and, and thing, and then the TD Bank, which is a Toronto Dominion uh, Canadian Bank and stuff. Yeah. So that's my kind of connection and to the corporate side, I'd say. You know, because you're it's and a UCAL Berkeley Foundation. Is a, yeah, I that's a, that's another one. I mean, so you kind of look at these things. So you kind of uh, it sounds like a lot, but it, you can't have this world, the corporate world, that you bring value to to the things you're talking. It's not you're not doing it anymore, but that is where you kind of like, okay, I'm in this company, and here's, you know, with my IT background and security and, and, and risk management, it helps, you know, kind of that. And then uh, Berkeley, you're just trying to give back. But that's a, it's like, okay, I was there in the, you know, early 70s, and it's a little different model than uh, it is today, but it's the same kind of issues. And same kind of issues. Thank you so much, Dave. So we learned a lot of Dave, from Dave, and I want to be very clear. This is a good model to follow in your own life. And that is work is service, work is meaning, that uh, you can translate that retirement to just entertain yourself is probably not satisfying, and therefore seek to find something in your own life that you can better or build. Uh, he has chosen a way, really novel, and I hope will be continuously successful, of building, um, what do I want to call it, uh, solving problems but having a profit so go out and lead his kind of life and i'll see you next week do something kind for someone you know and someone you don't know thank you for tuning in and thank you dave to contact junia send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com for more information program schedules and news about future guests go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you.
This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV.